Welcome everybody to On Podcast, the On Microsoft Podcast, where we talk about Microsoft stuff on a podcast. I'm your co-host today. Uh, my name is Kareem Anderson. I'm joined by the world's greatest co-host. Rish Bacchus. Yeah, and we have tons of Microsoft stuff to talk about once again today. Uh, otherwise, we wouldn't have a pod, I guess. Not on Apple Podcasts, not just yet. I mean, we will talk about them for a little bit because <laughs> it is, they did have a big developers conference. All right, but uh, what we're here to talk about is Windows, Xbox, uh, Insider Builds, um, Microsoft Stores, Virtual Desktops, um, the big Xbox and Bethesda event, and so much more. Yeah, we'll give you just a quick rundown just so you know where to kind of look at in the timeline and if you want to jump to something beforehand. Uh, we'll start off with uh, everything that we do and do not know about the Windows 10 slash possibly 11 event. Uh, we'll just call it the June 24th event. We don't really know what to expect from this, but uh, I wrote a post about it. Uh, I have some opinions. I have some actual facts too uh, uh, about what we do know about it. So we'll cover that at the, at the, off the top, off the bat at the top. And then we'll move over to talk about Xbox and some big announcements in regards to Xbox Cloud Gaming and new first-party games coming to Xbox Game Pass. Yeah, I mean, it's E3 starting midnight tonight, I believe, or early tomorrow morning. So uh, we expect a lot of gaming news, not just from Microsoft, but from the industry. So uh, gamers, get ready. And of course, the Xbox and Bethesda E3 event is just probably an hour, an hour and a half after our podcast. So we moved our time up to give you some time to watch that after you watch us. Exactly. And this happens to be the podcast that is going to be three hours long. So we're going to run into it anyway. <laughs> uh, I'm just kidding. Uh, we also are going to be talking about FaceTime on Windows 10. Uh, again, as we mentioned, Apple had its developers conference earlier this week. And they had unveiled uh, FaceTime coming to Android and Windows, sort of. We'll, go, we'll get into it. And then we also have some news about Microsoft pausing. Um, well, I'm, they didn't specifically say it this way, but I'm saying it this way. They paused their big Windows Insider builds, and they're just testing the servicing pipeline. So um, if you guys are insiders and you're not seeing new builds, we'll have our own um, theories as to why this is happening. Well, I mean, we are officials from Microsoft, so you could take us at our word. These, these are facts. We're speaking yeah. on behalf of Microsoft. <laughs> <laughs> and um, Fast Recap is back, and we have a couple of uh, things to speed through in Fast Recap. Uh, Microsoft stores are reopening, kind of, sort of, not really. Uh, they're called uh, <laughs> Microsoft Experience Centers now, in quotes. And um, there's also a rebrand happening for Windows Virtual Desktop and some new updates for Teams, which might be useful. Yeah, and then uh, we have uh, our like favorite section, which is the end of the podcast, where he gets to talk about all the cool <laughs> things he's reviewing. Uh, but beyond that, we'll also be talking about, uh, again, we'll be speculating on the Bethesda event. So you can immediately uh, go back to the comments on this video and say, hey, you guys are all wrong. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then um, it's Flight Simulator also supposed to be talked about at, uh, at that event, right? Correct. Uh, I mean, um, there's going to be all kinds of things. Uh, I think you uh, were reading the tea leaves for the uh, for the flight simulators uh, specifically. But <laughs> yeah. again, it's going to be a whole gaming event, uh, and they have a lot to talk about. Um, hopefully, we'll see some demos and maybe use some concept art from some of the upcoming titles from some of the studios they've purchased. I mean, we're all waiting for some exclusives. So again, we'll get into that uh, later on. Uh, with that all being said, we should start. 
Yeah, uh, get us into Windows 11 and everything you know and everything Satya just told you before we started this call. Yeah, he mentioned to me that Windows 11 is official uh, and that it will be for free and uh, that it will have everything we've always wanted. Uh, no. <laughs> you heard it here f her first, folks. And if, if, there's, if I'm wrong about anything, tweet Sasha. He'll take, he'll take the blame for it. No, uh, in all actuality, um, I wrote a piece about uh, the, Windows, the Windows event that's scheduled for June 24th, uh, 2021, uh, is a mystery, is as much a mystery as it is a necessity. Uh, and I said that because, uh, you know, we've all kind of been waiting for Windows to evolve, so to speak. Uh, it, it did have a rather significant leap from Windows 7 to 8 to 10. Uh, but we've been sitting on 10 for going on close to six years now, and not much has changed. Uh, even uh, insiders have seen the development pace kind of drop off as far as features, uh, UI changes, things like that. Uh, and that's not to say that uh, the Windows team isn't working on all of the underpinnings of the operating system, making it more secure, uh, making it faster. Uh, I wouldn't say lighter, but at least faster in some regards, adding stuff. Uh, you know, we've We'll get into uh, the Windows, uh, the Linux subsystem being added into Windows. So they are doing some things that aren't as front facing uh, as we'd like them to be, but you know they're hard at work. But I think at this point, we start, we we're going to start to need to see some front facing things done, especially in the light of, and this is high framed into my piece. Uh, Big Sur showing up. Uh, yep. A lot of the things that they showed in. Um, the most recent version of Mac OS, which should be coming out later this fall. And as Chromebooks and Chrome OS evolve and start nipping at the bud uh, of Windows 10. I go into some specifics about uh, the market share and how it's really drastically changed. I know that a lot of us have sat on this, these Windows fans have sat on this 80%, uh, almost 90% market share, you know, saying that Microsoft's Windows is run on most of the world's computers. Well, uh, if you've taken a look at it recently, it's actually really started to slip we're, we're seeing yep. that it's you know it's below 80 percent it's closer to uh high 60s low 70s at this point with um apple taking a, a more significant uh position and even chrome os now again uh, that's all because of the pandemic the pandemic has sort of driven people away from windows because they're using uh chromebooks and ipads and other kinds of devices in combination with of stuff for as well as for business, as well as schools. So Microsoft is slipping a bit and losing some of the market per se. Yeah, I mean, it's more, I mean, and again, it's not like, you know, we're falling off a cliff here. It's not but huge, but it is. Yeah. yeah. But as the numbers are reflecting, we're, I believe Microsoft in worldwide is sitting at uh, just over 70%, just yeah. a little bit over. Um, and the other, and Apple has reached its highest, I believe, at 15% worldwide. Um, and Chrome OS is at 2.29%. Uh, so, I mean, it's moved over from its, I believe it used to be 0 0.67 or something like that for a while. Like <laughs> yeah. Uh, but in North America, more specifically, and this is where it starts to look a little, di a little more dire for Windows, is that 62.7%. Um, that's what Windows is at. So it's just, you know, above the 50% mark. Um, Mac OS accounts for 25%, which is larger than I had anticipated. And Chrome OS, as we had mentioned, uh, in education, take a huge leap is at 6.43%. Again, it's not in danger of losing its majority share, but I mean, it is drastically reduced. And this goes back to what we're saying about Windows, this is a Windows event. 
uh, I believe that Microsoft has finally realized, at least over the last five years, as it's focused on cloud, that Windows 10 is a springboard for all of the things that it wants to do in the cloud still. As, as quickly as you know, it would like to just focus on com cloud computing where the uh, margins are much easier to kind of measure and, and maintain. Uh, at least they know, or it seems that Satya and Panos have realized that if we make Windows 10 enjoyable, uh, nice to use, intuitive, maybe easy on the eyes, um, we can get more people using even more of our, our uh, service stack. Um, so, so, go ahead. so some of that stuff that you said, nice, nice to use and easy on the eyes. Does that mean that we get everything that we've seen in Windows 10X? Because a lot of people here are sitting and they're wondering, it's Windows 11, what, what is it? What is it gonna be new? Personally, um, judging from all the rumors we heard from Zach and Thoreau and all the other in Microsoft insiders, it seems like Windows 11 is gonna bring that Sun Valley. Sun Valley is not the name of the update. A lot of people think it's gonna be called the Sun Valley update, but Sun Valley, I think, and I don't know what you think, but I think Sun Valley has always been referring to the visual redesign of Windows itself. So it's gonna bring those Sun Valley elements like rounded corners and new fonts and redesigned start menu and action center. And like you're saying, all of these things do matter at the end of the day because macOS, um, um, what was it? Um, Big Sur and Chrome OS, they've all gotten beautiful changes that make people like using this thing. And Windows 10 has been sitting uh, in the same state for like the last two years or so. If, if not longer, yeah. yeah. Um, just so we can help our, our audience kind of understand, here's, the, here's what we know. We know that Windows 10X has been canceled. So yeah. all of the leaks and, and um, uh, ISOs that people have been using, all of that new it's features dead. and functionality is dead. Um, Microsoft has officially said that they would like to bring over some of those experiences. They didn't say, they didn't specify which ones. We're assuming um, that they're talking about the task, the floating taskbar, uh, the new action center, uh, the new start menu, where I believe they're going to uh, deprecate live tiles and just go to regular standard icons uh, with you know no flashing in, in, in information or anything like that. Um, some overlays and as you mentioned, rounded corners. Uh, that's what they're we're assuming they're going to bring over since they said they're going to bring over those quote unquote experiences. And then in the um, blog post, they said into other areas of Windows. They did not say Windows 10. They said other area of Windows. And then that's why I'm saying this is Windows 11 that they're talking about. Well, this this goes back to clearing up what we do and don't know. Uh, we don't know if they're going to change the name. Uh, we all are assuming that Windows 11, uh, and this is partly based on, uh, again, tea leaf reading. So they gave us, sent us a GIF for the invite uh, that yeah. has the Windows logo, but the shadow is missing the crossbar, which makes it look like a Windows. Instead, it looks like an 11. So a lot of people are reading into that. Uh, it makes it seems like a natural progression to go from 10 to 11. Um, but as I'd mentioned with our chief, our editor in chief, that for it to be an 11 it has to be a rather significant change. You know, we went from Windows 8, we skipped nine altogether, and went to 10, and it was a drastic uh, rehashing of the UI. You know, we got rid of that uh, full touch start menu that yep. you know. Eventually going to the desktop, we you know overhauled the the UI on on Internet Explorer. Eventually came up with Edge. Uh, we got rid of the turns bar. We got rid of a lot of stuff in the way that Windows 8 worked. Uh, so if we're going to be going to 11, I'm assuming we're going to be doing a lot more changes than just shuffling some of the UI for the system. The other thing that we don't know, 
is basically what else is going to change. Um, and this, you know, what we don't know kind of leads into the end of my piece about what we're hoping to see, what we're expecting to see and what we would like to see. And some of that stuff uh, I get into uh, just the brief things such as um, cloud syncing. Um, this is part I think is very important. Uh, you and I kind of went over this, yep. discussing this offline about not only is, is it going to be a good Chrome OS competitor, not just you know by pricing, but by functionality. If you're able to start up a new Windows PC, which you used to be able to, I believe in eight, was it? Yeah, you used to be able 10? to sync your live tiles, the placement of the live tiles, all your settings and all of your teams. And now they removed that um, for all those uh, enterprise folks, like you were saying offline to make their jobs um, more fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like they did it to justify their position. Like, oh, you know, I'm an ad, I'm an admin guy, so I have to take this computer and set it up. So pay me, you know, X amount of dollars. Uh, when it would have been just easier to say, do you have the company login? Log it in, and all your stuff is right then and there. We don't need this IT guy to kind of oversee the setup of your device. Uh, but I do believe that's very important going forward for Microsoft is if they can bring over the syncing functionalities that they've displayed already that they have built into Windows 10 uh, that they are pushing with Edge uh, ever so you know, incrementally. You know, each time you get a new update, there's new syncing functions. You get your yep. collections, you get passwords, you get um, uh, uh, autofill and all that stuff is all being brought over through the cloud. So they've proven that they can do it. I think if they can bring that over to Windows 10 and you can just start up a new machine or you can just start up uh, account settings. That's another thing they need to revise is the, how easy and intuitive account settings needs to be in Windows 10. Um, you should be able to have your mom, your friend, uh, see your friends visiting you, didn't want to bring his computer, needs to use yours for a quick second. He can bring in his Microsoft uh, account ID, yep. type it in real quick, and his whole setup comes up. You know, yep. like you mentioned, uh, maybe they don't have all the apps because you guys don't share the same apps, but he'll at least have app icons that he can go re-download those for uh, and make it easy for him. And I believe that'll be one huge step competing with Chrome OS without having to come up with Windows 10X or try and sell new hardware, so to speak. This is something that Apple has done so great with um, iPad OS 2 and even iOS. You could just um, hold up your phone and then scan the code and everything instantly goes over. Your home screen, your apps, your app placement, your settings, your contacts, your photos, everything. This is something that Microsoft needs to get right in Windows 11. Very much agree. Uh, the other thing I mentioned was, again, account settings, uh, making that intuitive right up in the front. So, I mean, right now you kind of have to go, you have to dig into right. uh, your settings menus in order to find it. I also believe if they can start working on that, they can start pushing two-factor authentication, which would help them secure more data and just right. get that as a kind of a, a front of thought for everybody who's a Windows user, uh, makes their jobs a little bit easier. Uh, so it's a two-fold approach, uh, you know, and I believe if they can get, nail those two things with, you know, maybe some of this new theming that we're talking about as far as uh, making sure that uh, old menus in Windows 10 match uh, the same theming. You don't have to necessarily get rid of the control panel. I would like them to just bring all that stuff over to the Windows settings. But if you're going to keep it, before, you know, because uh, businesses have built in uh, APIs and hooks into that for the last 35 years, if you can't get rid of it, at least make sure that the DPI, like the icons in that and the font in that, all match the regular system because right now you go into it and you know you have a pixelated menu that looks super outdated. <laughs> yeah. If it can look more modern and follow the theming, so that you know we have the the dark file system, the control. I don't see why the control panel, the old control panel, can't have that same dark system. So those two things I think would go huge in changing um, 
Windows 10 and it's, you know, it's Mindshare as of right now. There's some other things. I'm sure you have some smaller things yeah. that you'd be like, hey, if they could add, uh, you know, Zaxxis around everything, uh, that'd be pretty <laughs> nice too. Uh, animations, uh, drop shadows, the way that, you know, you go in and out of applications. Those are all things that need to be uh, addressed as well. But Microsoft account settings and syncing, syncing uh, your account settings. I think if they can nail those two down by June 24th, we would have a really nice system on our hands. Well, well said. I think we spent like 19 minutes going on about everything we want to see in Windows 11. But uh, let's move on to Xbox now because I think it was on Friday, Microsoft had a big Xbox news drop where they talked about what's coming next for Xbox Cloud Gaming and what's next for Xbox Game Pass. Well, on the cloud gaming front, uh, Microsoft is going to new places on um, uh, Satya Nadella and Phil Spencer, they had a little video and they talked about the future of Xbox and gaming. And again, this is before the E3 expose that's coming up in an hour or so. So this was pre-taped and everything was in advance, but maybe they'll talk about this at E3 as well. But there are a couple of things that you need to know about for Xbox Game Pass and Xbox Cloud Gaming. The first of which is very huge, is that they're working with um, TV manufacturers to bring a native cloud gaming app into your TV. So now you could be able to play Game Pass without actually having to buy an Android phone or buy a tablet or buy, even go on Windows and play on Windows. That is one thing. And then they also confirmed that they're working on streaming sticks and dedicated hardware from Microsoft, which will let you play Xbox Cloud Gaming, which is huge because that has been rumored for some time now, I think. Yeah, um, it you're is, you're the it, one that was saying it, I think. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, we said this, and I don't know. Maybe you can go back to one of our first podcasts. You also need to wear glasses because the cameras are horrible. But <laughs> if you go back to one of our earlier podcasts, we talked about uh, the possibility of uh, Microsoft putting its gaming, you know, since it's cloud yeah. streaming everywhere. Uh, and the stick idea is based off of something Chrome has already done, established. You know, they have their Chromecast. And using Chromecast on your device uh, makes Stadia even that much more impressive. You can take your Stadia from your Android tablet, your Android phone, uh, and even from your Windows laptop onto the bigger screen. So imagine, you know, um, you're going on a family trip, which I will be going in a few weeks, and you don't want to bring your Xbox Series X because you like where it's placed. You don't want to damage it. Um, but you bring the streaming stick plugging in the back of your family member's TV, yep. friend's TV, wherever you're vacationing, Airbnb, and you've got, you know, however many games that they have on Game Pass at your disposal, depending on the broadband. Um, all you have to do is bring a controller. So I believe this will be huge, um, especially, again, if they can get this out with the limited production for Xbox Series X and people are thirsty for new Xbox experiences, this could be, you know, I think gangbusters for them. You go on your Best Buy, say, hey, do you have a Series X? No, we don't. But we have yep. this $3, $40 yep. streaming stick, $6, yep. whatever it is. And you can start playing the latest Xbox games, especially exclusives that are coming to the platform, I believe, between now and the fall. Um, it's, I think it's a win-win, depending on how soon they can get this out. Uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to this. And that's the hardware side, but there are some uh, changes coming to the software side as well. Um, when I reviewed Game Pass on my 
Windows 10 PC, not Game Pass, sorry, cloud streaming on my PC. One thing I complained about was the loading times. And part of that had to do with the fact that Microsoft is still using Xbox One S consoles for the servers which connect connect you to cloud gaming. Well, that's finally changing. They confirmed that they're now in the almost done with the process of moving over the servers from Xbox One S consoles to Series X and Series X Series X and Series S consoles. <laughs> it's a mouthful to make yeah. sure that the loading times will improve. That is one huge change. And then they're also graduating cloud gaming from the browser in the next few weeks. They didn't say when, but it's moving up and it'll no longer be in beta. And everyone will be able to play um, cloud gaming on their PCs on on their iPhones on any device practically even on their fridge or even on their smartwatch like I wrote about the other day. <laughs> yeah, it's uh we again a few months back we've been talking about um, the process of changing out the blades the blade servers for Xbox Series uh, X and S and again um, because it's a more powerful console right. uh, with these running the servers we should be able to see hopefully ideally reduce the latency. I know that. Um, I particularly am not great at first-person shooters. I know Paul Thorat is a huge first-person shooter, and you know, millions upon millions of Xbox gamers are. Uh, and I know some people have complained about the latency when it comes to first-person shooters and uh, X uh, Cloud. Um, you know, it's not you know, it's not a one-for-one. It's not immediate. You know, there's a bit of lag. And again, it's dependent on your own broadband. But I also believe it's just the server capacity and the the way that they're kind of pushing the bits. Um, hopefully, this, like you said, will help improve that. Um, and also being able to, you know, like me, I play, you know, real, yep. uh, real time strategy games, things like that. This would just make the fidelity even better for those kind of games, uh, you know, loading screens a little quicker if there are any, uh, for some of them. So all of this software update stuff is really good. I also want to go back really quickly and talk about the TVs. Cause I had mentioned the streaming sticks, which again, I'm a fan of hardware. You're a fan of hardware, but, uh, I do also have a Samsung, uh, TV Smart downstairs. TV, yep. Smart TV, and ideally, um, I don't know if they'll be able to push this as an app uh, for updates to current devices or more modern devices, TVs that have been bought in the last year or so, so that when you, if if and when you do update your TV, you will have that app uh, available to you. I know that uh, when Disney Plus first showed up, it it was an update for my TV. So hopefully, you know, you won't even have to go out and buy anything if you already have an Xbox One. Um, or an Xbox 360 compatible controller, something like that, you can just turn on your TV and be like, hey, I can start playing new Xbox games, the more recent and modern games on my TV starting whenever they decide to release this. And then um, you're talking about streaming sticks and TVs, but Microsoft also talked about current generation hardware, and they said that they're planning to bring cloud gaming to Xbox consoles, which, as you've been saying for the last five months, makes sense. Because if you don't want to go go and buy like $60 games or $120 games, you, you'll be able to enjoy cloud gaming on your console itself, which Sony has been doing with PlayStation Now for quite a while. Yeah, I want to say, like, um, I'm not a huge Sony fan, but I got to give them the credit. They've been plugging away at this for at least the last, what, four years or so or something like that. Like, it's, they've established this. I want to say they were probably the first in the market to do this. So, uh, in that regard, Microsoft's playing catch up. I do believe that the Game Pass aspect of it is carrying, would, will potentially carry Microsoft across the finish line, though, faster than Sony's. Uh, I know that Sony's working on a, a similar uh, sort of setup, but uh, they did start doing the cloud streaming to the device uh, long before uh, Microsoft did, you know, started 
discussing it. And then uh, Liz, uh, Liz I hope I don't say her name wrong, but Liz Hamrin, she kind of pulled a panos panay on us and teased some new Xbox uh, consoles, which this is physical hardware, a new Xbox console. She said, we're already hard at work on new hardware and platforms, some of which won't come to light for years. So Series X and Series S are not the end. They're working on new hardware. And I just wonder how more how powerful it will be because they already pushed the boundary with these current gen consoles. Uh, you mean with the Xbox One? Yeah. Yeah, because I'm like, they, I don't necessarily think they've pushed the boundaries with the Series X or X yet because we haven't had a ton of games or experience. But what I'm interested in do, seeing and doing is how they mesh the worlds of the duo in gaming. Uh, you know, they just did the recent update that made it, uh, you know, they added more touch controls to that, right. making it basically a, a Nintendo DS. Um, so if they do have a, seri- a duo coming out, uh, I believe in the end of September has been the rumor, a duo two, um, how they start to position that as not only just your your productivity device, but now your gaming console, so to speak. If everything's going to be streamed from the cloud and you don't need to necessarily need to have the most uh, bleeding edge technology, um on your in hand, you can just stream it from the cloud. That duo now becomes a pretty impressive device, uh, especially if you can just pair control it to it as well. So uh, maybe that's part of their uh, uh, roadmap in new devices is you know more compact devices, more uh, thin clients that just look really cool and easy to e- port, easily portable, uh, easily playable, uh, hopefully in the future. And that was about Xbox Cloud Gaming, but now we'll ship over to the Xbox Game Pass side, and there are a couple of uh, notable stories on that front. The first one is that Microsoft is planning to expand its subscription service by releasing new first-party exclusive games on Xbox Game Pass more regularly. Um, They're saying that they want to release at least one new first-party game into Xbox Game Pass every quarter. That, That includes role-playing games, shooters, strategy, the whole shebang, the whole the whole catalog. And then other than that, they're also working on new tiers, which should make Game Pass more accessible to more people, which is what you've been saying for months now, like make it more cheap, make it easier for people to get access to it. And then the third and final story is that Microsoft is working with telecommunications company. Again, this is Sprint, AT&T, T-Mobile, and Verizon to create new offerings similar to Xbox all access which will allow more people to get an xbox console and allow uh, game pass subscriptions for a low monthly price well uh, again um this all goes to their efforts to be the netflix of gaming and yep. i keep saying As that you've been saying yep yeah um the idea of uh quarterly uh uh publishings of games uh, mirroring what uh, I believe Netflix is doing. Netflix, I think, came out at the beginning of this year. I want to say somewhere around September, September, February, uh, <laughs> with a promo saying that they were going to release a new movie, 52 movies in uh, the 52 weeks or whatever. Uh, so a new movie every week uh, to kind of keep people engaged with the platform. Um, they're also doing this new, uh, I believe they have a horror series or something like that. It looks sort of like Goosebumps meet Stranger Things. But anyway, it's a three-part series, and each week they're going to release the sequel to it. So, you know, this effort to keep content fresh, 
keep gamers engaged and keep a steady schedule so people know what to expect from the platform. It doesn't feel stale. It isn't like, oh, I've played these games over and over. At some point, they're going to want to get to the, you know, if they get their exclusives or if they get enough indie games that people want, marketing behind it, that will be, you know, on the edge of your seat wanting to, you know, say like, hey, um, I just finished this last game from this publisher. They have a new game coming out this Friday. I want to play that. That's, you know, that's going to be the conversation versus like, oh, let's wait till the fall to see all the new titles. It'll be, you know, um, uh, what's the name of the guy that does uh, Death Standing or Standing or whatever? One of the <laughs> Japanese producers or whatever. I don't come even out know. The game. Yeah, it'll be like, you know, again, it'll be a waiting period. Like, oh, I can't, I can't wait till Wednesday when they come out with their new game or uh, next month when they come out with their new game. So that, I believe that's what they're trying to do with that. Um, to the second part of the story, which was uh, the tears. Mm-hmm. Again, I believe, again, as you said, just making it more accessible, making sure that people can get it uh, at each price point, because, you know, at some point, you know, when you want to move up, you can at least know the, what the experience is like and say, like, hey, if I had five more dollars, I go to the next tier and get even more from this thing. As far as reaching to the telecos, that's always been kind of their downfall. And I say that by, you know, saying rest in peace, Ken, the Ken <laughs> phone. Last time they dealt with the carriers or rest in peace, Windows phone. Last time they dealt with the carriers. But if they can um, bundle the service with phones in general, like Android phones, and say, like, you know, you get the latest Pixel or the latest Samsung price Galaxy, you'll get three months of Xbox uh, X Cloud gaming on your device with Xbox Xbox Game Pass. That's just another way to get things in there and get the marketing out and get people, you know, get accessibility to the platform. Um, and also with the devices. I, I myself am waiting for a, a credit version of getting the device. <laughs> I would love to be able to just drop 600 bucks and be like, give me all the, the top-notch stuff. But if I can convince my wife to say, hey, instead of $500, let's do 30 bucks a month, I think she'd be able to digest that a little easier. All right, so enough about uh, Xbox. Now let's move on to back to Windows and look at FaceTime coming to Windows 10, but not in the way you think, right? Yes, for all of you people who are eye-rolling for the last 15 minutes, here's some fun stuff. Uh, Apple announced that they were bringing FaceTime to Android and Windows, and everyone cheered. And then they said, but... (laughs) There's always a but when it comes to Apple. There's always a but. And this one's pretty huge. Uh, The way they're doing it is they're doing it just like any other... um, conferencing uh, technology out there, I believe they're using WebRTC to do this. Uh, they will now allow people who have iPhones, Macs, iPads, stuff like that, to send out a video sharing link, essentially, to let people who are on uh, third-party platforms like Windows and Android join in on them. So uh, if your mom, your sister, your brother, father, anybody who has an iPhone wants to FaceTime you and they haven't been able to because you were a green bubble and <laughs> ostracized from the family, they can now send you a link that you can click into and you can join the call. You yourself cannot create these. You can't invite people from um, from a Windows PC or from an Android phone. You can't send them out, but you can receive them. So if it's something important like planning the uh, family gathering or family reunion and they need you in on the call, they can send out a link to you. So it's just one step closer of, to having FaceTime uh, on devices other than Apple's. And the, the way they're doing it is again, uh, using WebRTC means that you'll be able to do it through the browser only. So I you don't have that, a dedicated app. I hope that they do this with iMessage as well, because it would be really awesome to be able to just pull up um, Edge and then go in and then respond to your messages. This is one step closer to that. But I do have a note 
I think uh, Zach and a lot of us Windows people were laughing when the keynote happened because they picked the ugliest uh, computer and the most shittiest Android phone to show off this feature in action. It's just Apple being Apple. It it is. um, (laughs) And I'm not going to defend that, but it also is indicative of what the average Android and Windows consumer sees as a screen. Again, we love the top-notch, high-end Galaxy stuff, but there is a whole submarket of, you know, three hundred and below, uh, three hundred dollars and below yep. oh, Android phones that look just like the one they picked. Same thing for Windows PCs. If you haven't updated from Internet Explorer, you'll see that sort of, you know, a Chrome-heavy browser version. So, uh, as much as it is them poking fun at us and saying like, "Hey, you know, your design is horrible," <laughs> it is sort of reality for a lot of people, unfortunately. And they, Hopefully. And they- and they also made sure to use Chrome and not Edge because, hey, you can't glorify Microsoft's new web browser. Well, again, this goes to uh, what people are using, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully with this new Windows 10 slash 11 update, uh, they can throw out those old cue cards and, and at least modernize them, or we can at least say, hey, that's entirely wrong. Uh, <laughs> but as of right now, they're sort of right. It's sad. <laughs> Speaking of Windows 10 and 11, uh, I'm back with the segues. I think it's been a while since yeah, I, I had like, one. Whew, whew, whew. Now we're moving on to talking about uh, Microsoft's uh, Windows Insider program. And if you're a Windows Insider, you might have been hoping that you would get some Windows 10X. No, see, I said Windows 10X. Windows 11 elements in your bills, but he's, no. he's still grieving, everybody. He's still grieving. Let him let him go through the process. <laughs> I'm crying. These are tears for Windows 10X. <laughs> Same tears that I shed yeah. for Windows Phone. And Zoom. And, and Zoom. And Microsoft Band and every other Microsoft product that he's they just killed. constantly crying. <laughs> but anyway, back to the news. Um, there won't be any major Windows Insider builds for the next couple weeks. They didn't explicitly say that, but what Microsoft said is they're servicing the current build by testing their servicing pipeline. So that means you're only going to get small cumulative updates for the next few weeks. And they didn't explain why or how or give us any other explanation other than that and the servicing pipeline thing. But you know what I think it is? I think they're putting a pause on stuff so they could work on whatever Windows 11 is behind the scene. Then after the June 24th event, just unleash it all and us at once. Everything that we've been waiting for. Um, <laughs> Am, I Am I crazy? Am I crazy? You're not crazy, <laughs> but you're, you're very optimistic. I, I believe that uh, listening to Windows Central's podcast, I believe Friday or whatnot, um, they mentioned something similar to that, saying that um, most of the uh, coding for this has been is done, there. Yeah. Uh, is there. So uh, maybe after this event uh, and the pipeline, I believe they started releasing updates to the pipeline last week and the week before. Yep. So they're trying to get um, get the 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 pipe the pipes working for us to start seeing more features. So again, in theory, um, this should be after June 24th, we should start seeing some of those Sun Valley um, bits more so coming to Windows Insider. We've been waiting for, you know, over a year and a half now since we've been hearing about Sun Valley to be like, give it to us, let's see it. Uh, maybe they've just been holding back because they want, you know, like you said, marketing, huge splash, get a lot of people talking. Um, also, uh, limit the amount of time they can get complaints for stuff <laughs> and just release it to us. Uh, that's that's a euphemistic way of saying it. Uh, from what I was, you know, if I were being a pessimist, I'd be like, 
most of the coding's done, but most of the stuff that we visually want to see isn't done. What we're going to see at this event will probably be a ton of demos, um, kind of like we did when we saw sets, um, yep. the people, the people's app, all that, all those good things that we were like, this looks really cool. I believe we're going to see a lot of those demos, and they may give us, um, uh, you know, hopefully maybe the the account seeking stuff. You know the stuff that isn't as glamorous, but is super fundamental to the way that the UX will start going from now on. Maybe uh, show us, you know, some more settings in the control settings, or maybe this just give us a lot of the API stuff for the store that they've been talking about. I know it's, we, we kind of glossed over all of the things we want to see, but it, you know, Sacha made a big point saying that uh, this new update, uh, for whatever version of Windows this is, will be big for developers uh, and not just Windows developers, but developers in general. They want to make this a platform form. So we might start seeing the store stuff come in into play. Again, things that we don't necessarily play with every day, but um, those might be the more concrete things versus some of the demos of all the cool rounded corner stuff that we would like to see. So are we just going to get like a flashy video that shows everything that's fancy and then when it comes to downloading it, it's just going to be disappointing. I think that Walking Cat, a couple of days ago, he had a tweet where he was like, marketing videos for Windows 11 with with um, smiley face and heart emojis and then um, actual Windows 11 stuff with frowny face and sad face. I think I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll look for the tweet and have it up on the on the show for you, but... Even even this leaker is expecting to be disappointed. Um, and, and and I say that not as a negative to him. I just think again, it's been a long process. And if for what they're saying that they're trying to do, and I believe this is again a multi-year process. Unfortunately, this won't be like the big server one where it's like, you know, right Apple's away. been working up for this for a decade, a decade, and they finally just gave us everything all at once. What Microsoft tends to do is say, here's like a third of it. And this will be a multi-year process. And by the time we get to where they, you know, visioned it, it's already been six years later and things have already changed. That's sadly the development of UWP, Metro yep. UI, stuff like that. They give us a third of it saying, like, here's all the cool stuff we can do and what it will look like. And they'll eventually get to it. It'll take them five, six years. But by the time we get to, you know, six years down the line, we're like, dude, this is old. Like, I'm glad you guys <laughs> finished it. But if you had finished it six years ago, it would have been brand new and we could have moved on. But now we were waiting to see new stuff. So, uh, again, I... Don't want to be a pessimist, but I do have a feeling we're going to see at least a lot of demos before we start seeing any actual stuff we get our hands on after June 24th. And now it's time for a fast recap, and I'm putting... All right. Well, how much time do you think we should put on the clock today? Uh, let's see what we got. Experience it. I would say we'll, do, we'll split the baby and we'll do five minutes. All right. Four well, and a half, five minutes, yeah. Five minutes on the clock, and I'll let you kick things off with the Experience Center's reopening for Microsoft. Microsoft stores are back, baby. Go get everything <laughs> you need right now. Uh, no, uh, I wish I could say that. Um, the in-person retail experience is sort of back. Microsoft, um, before the pandemic, shut down all of their in-mall stores, in-present stores. Um, most of them were in North America. They were a few throughout the rest of the the, the, the world. Um, they were all shut down. And during the pandemic, they also liquidated a lot of them. They wrote off a big... Uh, uh, taxing, I believe, uh, in their investment yep. callings around July-ish. So basically, they just liquidated everything that was in the store, sold it all, never reopened it again. They did have what they call Microsoft Experience Centers still remaining. I believe there are three, one in Sydney, Australia, one in London, and one in, New York. In, the, in New York, in the U.S., yeah. And what these things are are just bigger versions of their store presence. Uh, they're mainly used for business customers. They invite 
uh, businesses to come in, test out devices, uh, buy in bulk, things like that. Um, and they, you can also host things there too. So if you're a business and you need to have a, an area to host an event, uh, using Microsoft things to showcase it, uh, you can you can book it out. So they're reopening those. Uh, that's the extent of this story. Uh, so we're not going to be seeing Microsoft retail stores for you and I to go into. But if you happen to be in New York, you can probably wander into one of these giant Microsoft stores. Um, again, these are catered towards more businesses, but they will have devices in there. Uh, you can probably buy one or two things from there as well. But there are three, only three, Sydney, <laughs> Australia, London, and New York. So that's the extent of that story. And then the second story is about Windows Virtual Desktop becoming Azure Virtual Desktop. Um, people saw this and they freaked out, and they're like, "Windows is dead." Uh, but it's just, it's just uh, Microsoft um, better, better positioning its um, marketing for people who use Azure stuff. It's uh, being rebranded to Azure Virtual Desktop, and it reflects Microsoft's broader vision for its cloud virtual desktop infrastructure, which is getting new capabilities and pricing options for remote app streaming tailored for the hybrid workforce. So no, don't panic. Windows is not dead. It's just a minor rebrand to get up to speed with Microsoft's vision for Azure. I feel like people say Windows is dead just as much as they say this is the year of Linux. And I don't know if those <laughs> happen to coincide or if those are the same people. Uh, the next story is Microsoft Teams adds options to create a planner and to do tasks from the chat or channels post. So we're getting even more Teams features uh, added, uh, or more, yeah, more things added into Teams. More specifically, I think this is spotted by Microsoft MVP named Adam Deltinger. Uh, probably butchered that horribly. <laughs> Adam, uh, in the desktop version of Teams. Uh, prior to the update, the users had to copy and paste the messages manually in order to create Microsoft To Do or Planner tasks. This new functionality has been designed to let users identify tasks that arise naturally in conversations and quickly uh, uh, quickly let them task them directly from the chatter channel on the team. So uh, it's very similar if you have an Android device. I believe they do this in messages where you uh, things are mentioned in conversation that seem time sensitive, and they'll let you add a sleeper timer to or schedule it as, as an event to do later on. So um, just expect to start seeing that crop up in your conversations if it were to say, hey, you know, uh, did you get the latest screenshot from this and like I haven't gotten it but give me a second if you say give me a second it'll probably pop up with a, a timer or you know some kind of uh, to do uh, to follow up on that on that message I think and, they, they do an outlook a lot and that's uh, enough for fast recap I think we made it with a little little bit extra but that's I fine about 35 seconds yeah uh, that's Drink fine everybody <laughs> Celebrate. Uh, now it's time for a week ahead which is my favorite segment and Right after we finish talking here, uh, Microsoft has its big Xbox and Bethesda E3 event. And what do you think is in store for this event? I know they had a lot last year at E3. Well, E3 was canceled last year, but it was just a virtual thing. And they talked about Halo Infinite and Forza, and they had all these wonderful trailers. But a lot of these games never came to be. So will we finally get more solid details about like things like Halo Infinite and the new Forza game and stuff like that? Um, to be honest with you, I don't think so. I think this will be a Bethesda exclusive. I do believe that they'll probably save uh, Halo Infinite talk until probably the end of summer uh, when they have nailed down probably the last bits of designing for it or you know, whatever marketing they need to do for it. Um, I'm sure they're going to want to showcase uh, Halo Infinite by itself. 
All right. You know, with or at least with as little uh, competing news around it because it's you know one of the big exclusives i believe what they're going to do is tell us about the structuring of bethesda going forward uh that includes exclusives um what's going to happen to current titles on the platform and and on you know other platforms um possibly uh the inclusion of all of their games into the game pass library or most of the games um, and probably some new uh, concepts of games that Bethesda will be working on that they probably hope to plan to release in the next three to five years. If I had to guess, that's mostly, and I believe, you know, as much as we're thinking that this is going to be a huge long event, I mean, this is again E3-ish, so they might have more information about other things coming out. Uh, I, I see this as a 30 to 45 minute event where it's just Bethesda information only. I think we might finally get a Microsoft Flight Simulator on consoles, uh, Series X and Series S. That's a definite because um, last night, um, today is Saturday, and um, Microsoft had a webpage up for the Xbox experience on Friday night, and people were clicking in, and then some guy, like, he turned up the contrast, and then in the background of the webpage was uh, Microsoft Flight Simulator. So for sure, I'm certain that they will have Microsoft Flight Simulator coming to Xbox at this event. But I do wonder if it's coming to Xbox One or if it will be exclusive to Series X and Series S because it is a very demanding game. Maybe the original Xbox games might not original Xbox console might not be able to keep up with it. Yeah, if I had to guess, it'll probably be an Xbox. Also, I wanted to note, I feel like that person who you said turned up the contrast is just you. I feel like you were one of maybe <laughs> Oh, Tom, 20... Tom Warren also tweeted about it, so there's that. I'm not a loony. Okay. I'm not crazy. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I, I, you know, Flight Simulator seems like a super fun game. Uh, it has huge fans, and it's visually stunning, so um, with that all being said, I do believe it'll probably be an Xbox Series X and S exclusive, just like you said, because it's super demanding. It's a super huge game, and I know that the uh, original Xbox One consoles, most of them maxed out at 500 gigs. And I believe, what is it? Is it almost 100 gigs for Flight Simulator or more? It's almost like 700 gigs of data on... Jeez! So, yeah, even if you just want to have one session of that game, you're going to need one of the newer consoles that has the one terabyte drive. So I'd assume that's that's where they're going to at least start with. And because it's Microsoft, they'll work their way into at least getting it on xCloud somehow. And uh, we invite you to check out our uh, piece from our, we like to call him our Xbox expert because he's always writing about Xbox. Um, our editor, Laurent, he put together a nice what to expect at the E3 2021 showcase. Um, so if you want to know more beyond what me and Kareem think will that will show up at this showcase, which should be in about an hour, an hour and a half or so, it starts at 10 a.m. Um, Eastern time with 10 a.m. Pacific time, which is 1 p.m. Eastern time. Um, check out his piece. He has a lot of hot uh, thoughts. So check it out and let us know what you think. And come back here next week and yell at him and say you were wrong. <laughs> yeah, don't yell at me. Even if I'm wrong, yell at him about me being wrong. <laughs> uh, and, with that being uh, said, we also have uh, some hardware uh, to end the, to wrap all this up with uh, for next week. Yeah, I picked up a Asus uh, VivoBook Flip uh, 14. This has the AMD Ryzen 5500U inside, and it's one of the newest um, convertibles that have it inside. And it flips over. It's a two-in-one. It comes with a pen in the box, and 
it's a little under $500. So I'm going to review this with the thought of, is it worth getting as a budget PC? And what exactly will $500 get you if you pick up this VivoBook Flip 14? So there's that. Yeah, and uh, I'm finishing up my ThinkPad L13 Yoga review, uh, the ThinkPad E14 Gen 2 as well uh, with the Intel chip in it. Uh, those should be, if not done by this weekend, uh, beginning of next week. And then I'll be jumping into all my X1 stuff. I have an X1 Carbon Night Generation that I need to review and an X1 uh, Yoga Gen 6 as well. So uh, between now and the end of next week, there should be about four ThinkPads that you guys, if you're interested, if you're a small business buyer, uh, the L13s and the e, uh, E14s. If you are an executive, uh, then the X1 Yoga and the X1 Carbon uh, should be reviewed for you. And I think that is everything that we had covered. Um, let us know if we missed anything in the chat, of course. Um, we're always here to listen to you. And I'll let you with the traditional outro, of course. Yeah, before I start that, I also wanted to just throw this out there. Uh, our co-host also got his hands on an iPad. So oh, yeah. we are in we are in the loop. Uh, yep. We'll be probably measuring uh, most of our reviews against stuff uh, like the iPad. Not, you know, they don't have to be a one-to-one comparison, but if you start seeing him write, you know, uh, comparison notes about the iPads, because he has one. And yep. it's super important to, you know, uh, measure what Microsoft is doing in the industry against the industry so to be uh, clear to it's the that. m1 m1 ipad pro which is everyone made a big deal about and then at wwdc nothing happened and everyone was so disappointed <laughs> yeah that's those, those reviews are pretty funny uh with that being <laughs> said uh you can reach me at mindhead one on twitter uh again if you just want to chit chat if you have tips um you have a joke whatever reach me there uh you can also reach my co-host at a back turn Yes. Uh, and for those of you, again, I always mention this every week, if you are too busy to visit the website itself, uh, check out on Microsoft on Twitter. Again, that's where we keep all of our latest posts, giveaways, uh, commentary, um, you know, any and everything that we do online can be consolidated there. So uh, check it out. Yeah. Uh, thanks for watching, everyone. and hope to see you again soon. Same place, same time. Yeah, and uh, everyone stay safe. I mean, we're still getting towards the tail end of this, but I expect to see more people outside. All right. Take care, everyone. Bye.